0: Can your Enneagram number predict how successful you might be or not be when you're making big health changes like New Year's resolutions? The Enneagram is a popular way to examine your personality type and grow self-awareness about everything from relationships to self-care and even the dialogue you have with yourself each day.
1: In today's episode,
2: we brought Enneagram guru and registered dietitian Jenna Braddock back to talk about approaching your New Year's resolution based on your Enneagram number. So that
1: you can be more successful in meeting your health goals.
2: Let's dive in.
0: Carolyn, I am really excited to have Jenna Braddock back on the podcast today.
2: Oh my gosh, she is such a wealth of knowledge with the Enneagram, but I'm really intrigued to talk to her today. It never occurred to me, and this is kind of how the Enneagram is you just realize all facets of your life that it touches or impacts or influences but it never occurred to me to think through how I was creating my health goals or, you know, if goals are even appropriate for me based on my Enneagram number. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and hopefully it gives people some inspiration to revise how they approach their, their new year's resolutions and other health goals. Like when you and I were prepping for this episode, We were looking into the statistics, right? Of like, I really wanted to know how many people actually stick to their New Year's resolutions. And I was so disappointed to find out that 80% of people abandon their New Year's resolutions by February.
2: 80%
0: by February.
2: I mean, I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me. And, you know, if you're one of those people listening right now, who that's happened to, you know, don't beat yourself up because. You know, we realized in talking to Jenna that it's not necessarily a lack of willpower, or, you know, there's some other factors going on, and a lot of them relate to your Enneagram number. So it may just be approaching things a little differently that can yeah. allow you to be successful. Absolutely. So Jenna
0: was on the podcast back in the fall of 2021. Um, You should definitely go listen to that episode if you want to hear more about each Enneagram number in depth, right? Um, And also Jenna's bio. But let's do a quick recap of her bio before we bring her on. Um, As Carolyn said, she really is a wealth of knowledge, uh, particularly as it relates to the Enneagram. Jenna is a St. Augustine, Florida-based registered dietitian. She's also a certified specialist in sports dietetics, and she is an ACSM certified personal trainer. She has a lot of experience in one-on-one coaching in a lot of different facets with people. She's been in the field of sports performance and fitness since 2005, um, and then throughout her career, she's really worked with athletes at all level of play. Her husband actually is a football coach. So she's very, very focused on sports and all of that one-on-one coaching, which is kind of where her Enneagram has, has really come in. And in addition to that, she is the author of two cookbooks, Easy Cooking for Two and the High Protein Vegan Cookbook for Athletes. If you haven't heard of Jenna before, you are going to be really excited to hear from her today. Jenna, we are really excited to have you back on the podcast. You came and chatted with us in the fall, I think it was. And we had an amazing conversation about the Enneagram, and we talked about how um, different numbers, um, like what, what the number, how your Enneagram number connects to your health goals and approach and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that was a lot of fun.
3: And as we figured out very quickly, it's a long conversation and we kind of all felt like we weren't done. Like there was more for us to to dig into. So I'm really glad to be back so we can take this to another level.
2: Oh yes. Me too. Me too. If, If anything, it just made me, and this is what happens anytime I pick up the Enneagram again, it just made me dig further into it and just um, I don't know, look at myself more closely. Yeah.
3: It's a great magnifying glass for our soul, uh, but it's a kind one, you know, it's not, it's not harsh. Yeah, I what
2: it's not harsh. <laughs>
3: yeah. It's a kind magnifying glass. So it's a, it's an awesome tool for self-awareness. And that's, if you're looking for that, this is such an approachable tool in my opinion.
0: So, Jenna, before we dive into the focus that we want to discuss today, for any of our listeners who didn't listen to your previous episode, can you just like give them, a, you know, just a, a high level, like if you've not really heard about the Enneagram, this is what it
3: is? Yeah, absolutely. The Enneagram's been around for a while in different forms. Um, some would say it's ancient, but really it's been modernized in the past few decades with some groups of people like the Enneagram Institute and, and some others who have really dug into making this a usable tool in the modern world. And so what it is, is it's a, an, a personality tool to identify and find freedom from self-destructive patterns. And it forces us to kind of wake up and realize what's, what's really going on in our soul, what's motivating us, why are some of the behaviors we choose on a regular basis, the automatic ones, where are those coming from? And as we just said, it's this very kind magnifying glass to look at these behaviors and not just see them, oh, that's a choice, but what are they more deeply connected to in my heart? And so there's some some basic things to them. There are nine different archetypes just simply called by their numbers, one through nine. And our last program, we really walked through each of those and talked about their quantifiers and their descriptions of names. And so most people will identify most strongly with one of those numbers. Um, and I think I shared a little bit of my story last time, so I won't go into that more. But there were some things going on in my own life that were just sort of like repeat negative things uh, in my relationships and my work that I just was like, what is going on? Why can't I get, get over this? You know, I'm an adult. Why can't I figure this out? And it really wasn't until I learned my number in the Enneagram and learned what my basic desires are, my basic fears, and the passions or the ways I get off course from those mm-hmm. gifts of my personality, that I began to understand, oh, this is why I do this. And I don't want to do it. I can, I can kind of get to the heart of that issue and, and do things differently so that I have more healthy relationships, more productivity in different areas of my life. So it's really been transformational for me. And then as a dietitian and practitioner, I am constantly working on trying to make this a tool that's usable with my clients um, in a one-on-one and group setting. Um, And then I've been researching it for a couple of years. We talked about that and I have two different surveys that have been out for several years. One is a nutrition-focused one and one is a health, wellness, and fitness-focused one, which we'll talk a little bit more about today.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like that was the perfect segue for us to, to dive into today's topic. So, Carolyn, this was actually your idea. I mean, we knew we wanted to have Jenna back. I I don't want her to feel unwelcome by me in saying that, but but <laughs> we knew we wanted to have Jenna back, and and but Carolyn really like honed the focus for today, where because it you know we are we are recording at the end of January. This is that time of year when people's New Year's resolutions um, might not. Night might definitely are probably not cemented in their lives, but sh- but could even potentially be completely forgotten at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, How's that dry January going? <laughs> it, it's damp. To to clarify, it's <laughs> I dra- know I
3: love that damp January. I'd be like, what? Okay, yeah. that's for me. That's
0: it's for me. <laughs> damp and damp is working for me. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I thought this was the perfect time because, you know, you have such momentum at the start of a year and like clean slate and you just pick these things that may not really fit with your lifestyle or their approaches may or may not fit with your lifestyle and they may not be good goals at all. Um, and this is kind of the time where people have either dropped them or they're kind of getting burned out or, you know, and I've realized sometimes in the past, my goal has been the same thing every New Year's and it never pans out. So that's what got me started thinking about the Enneagram and I thought, huh, I wonder if there's something we could share here as people realize, okay, why isn't this working for me or what can I do different?
3: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think as I was sharing earlier that my goal for today as we, we talk about the Enneagram and its connection to making meaningful and lasting behavior change is really to pique people's curiosity to give them a little bit of information that says, oh, huh, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. And to encourage you to then go on your own journey and and get into the books and begin to read and start to learn your own heart and soul so that you can unlock some of those potential barriers that have been keeping you from being successful, whether it's a quote resolution or some other areas of your life as well.
2: Okay, so Jenna, since we, we covered the nine types pretty in depth on the last um, episode, and we'll link that in the show notes for this episode. Today, though, you're going to break it down by something called triads. And I, this mm-hmm. is something I was not familiar with. So can you tell us a little more about that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So the triads break the numbers into three groups of three based on what they're, where their chief imbalance lies, so to speak. Um, and we'll break that down you say and give some examples. Imbalance, I Imbalance, yes. Okay. So it helps us understand where some of our self-defenses are and ultimately where we limit ourselves. So this is really applicable to our discussion on behavior change because we want to know what is getting in the way that I can control that's in me, you know? Um, and so it, this is a really important focus of that and before I get into it, I just want to honor those that have, you know, I have learned from, you know, I'm not a certified Enneagram instructor by any means, but I've done a lot of my own research and I'm really grateful for resources like the Enneagram Institute and Suzanne Stabil and Chris Huertz, who I have just personally learned from and found so much help from today. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that I do it justice in sharing with you guys and, and giving you that so There are three triads. Um, There is the instinctive, or sometimes called the gut triad, which includes eights, nines, and ones. There is the feeling, or heart triad, which includes two, threes, and fours. And then there's the thinking, or head triad, which includes five, sixes, and sevens. So we'll start first by talking about the instinctive, or the gut triad. And these are eights, nines, and ones where doing is dominant for them. Using their bodies to accomplish things is an important part of who they are. But the interesting part, because remember we said we're looking for where our chief imbalances lies? Well, these are people who are called to action in different ways. What that sometimes is is a an action of it is more covering up being connected to their personal bodies, their physical bodies as well. So we get kind of deep here as we look at this through the lens of triads and some of these other layers, deeper layers to the ideogram. Um, so again, remember that our goal here is to spark your curiosity and to help you learn more. And there might be places where we bring up some, some things with these specific numbers, where if that is something that kind of touches you or tings at your heart a little bit, That might be a great time to consider seeking some professional help to walk through some of these things. It's not meant to be 100% self-guided in our work through the Enneagram. Sometimes we need outside folks. So um, if you are familiar with the Enneagram and you can think about eights and ones, um, to me, this really clearly, I see them as people who do. (laughs) Um, So eights have a lot of energy typically, but that energy is directed outward to the environment they're there to fix things and to improve things to bring justice to people and interestingly as we study this more a lot of times that's actually an attempt to self protect so i'm going to give all my energy outward to things that i think really matter to kind of protect myself from actually being influenced by them so that's an important thing for us because as aids look to make meaningful change especially around health and wellness which takes a lot of bandwidth Um, And by that, I mean, it's hard to do something different in any area, truthfully, but with health or nutrition or fitness, it it takes a lot of effort to change that behavior. So if a lot of this energy is focused outward to these um, things in their life that are very important, and a lot of times you'll see eights that are super passionate about different topics. um, And if you know one, you know, if you know, you know, with an eight, (laughs) Um, So this would be a place for maybe an eight to take an assessment or an audit of where am I, where's all this outward energy directed? Um, Can I really make a difference in all of those areas? Or could I maybe focus on one or two that I give so much of my outward energy to so that I have some for myself to focus on this change that I want to make? So I have energy for my own self and then get in touch with what your body actually needs. Um, and so this is a really important work for an eight and anyone within the, the, this instinctive or gut triad. One of the the spiritual disciplines is, is stillness to practice stillness, to just be in connection with their body. We'll talk about the other practices for the other ones. But so when I surveyed um, in my health and wellness survey, a couple of interesting things came out, just kind of food for thought around the eights. So 75% said that their greatest challenge for having better health is personal or professional stress. And I think this can um, support maybe this idea of maybe too much energy going outward. We need to take a little bit more for ourselves. Um, So that was interesting. And then another thing that I thought was just kind of curious, and there's only one other number where this was the highest amount. I asked people, what is a, what is the factor that makes you trust your healthcare provider the most? Want to have people that they like, whereas other people value some other things more significantly, having that relationship with them, I thought was really interesting.
2: That's interesting. And I love that you asked that question. But I have to say, I'm in that triad, and when I feel like a personal connection, or like, you know, oh, she'd be fun to hang out with outside mm-hmm. of our my appointment, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I do, I trust them more. Yeah. So I think these are interesting things to know, and the
3: point of my survey is not just to get insight for individuals and, and numbers and behavior, <laughs> but also, I'm selfish as a practitioner. I want to know, how can I better help people? You know, what are the factors that are important to them? So I think that's interesting. All right, so our next number in the triad of this gut instinctive is the ones. Um, So where an eight has a lot of their energy directed outward to the environment and protecting themselves, and a one is the opposite. They actually have a lot of energy directed inward to protect from a lot of their internal impulses. So if we remember, our ones are our our virtuous ones Mm -hmm. who want to do things right. That's very important to them. So they're going to always have this checks and balances on the inside, like, okay, that's wrong. This is right. And there's a lot of inward energy that they're spending on just you know, constantly trying to do things to the best of their ability and very well. And so once again, we can do an energy audit there. And this one is, is a deep one because it's on the inside. It's in their head. We don't see these actions or hear these words so much like we would with an eight. And just begin to recognize, well, how much energy am I spending on myself with this checks and balances, with this criticism, that inner critic, if we remember from the last time? Do I want to breathe that much life and that much energy into this inner critic? And so beginning to understand that voice inside of you and for some people having professional help to improve that inner critic and have a more positive self-talk can open up some energy and some availability, some bandwidth to do these other things that are most important. So 401, really assessing how much energy am I spending internally on this inner critic of constantly judging are my actions right or wrong? Did I do it good enough? Um, if you assess how much time you're actually spending on that and maybe work towards freeing up some of that space, changing the voice of your critic, looking for a more positive self-talk, potentially even getting some professional help with that, you may have more energy, more bandwidth, more space to then focus on some of these behaviors that you want to do that are going to improve your health and wellness or life in general and to do them with a lot more grace, a lot more gray area because it's okay. It's okay that you don't meet this goal by this date, lose this many pounds, do this many pull-ups, run this race, whatever your metric is for success is a one, it's okay that those things don't always happen. There's a time and a place for goals, absolutely, but having grace for that. And so I think that's a really important thing for our ones to take away from this. Then what some of our data says that I've gotten, and um, by the way, I still need a lot more people taking these surveys, so we'll make sure those links are available. We'd love to get your insights if you know your number. with ones, interestingly, 50-50 split between people who prefer to exercise alone versus exercising with others. Um, and that's an interesting ratio between the different numbers as well. It's also a 50-50 split between ones that get their annual health check of any type and those that do not. I, I would personally think they'd all do it because that's what we're supposed to do, but Um, And then another interesting thing from the ones, and I'm not sure this is necessarily a global takeaway, but from my sample, 42% of their main reason for not seeking professional help with their health is financial related, just not having the money to do it, or not feeling like they do, one of those two things. Um, So I think those are just some interesting things. And then here's another one that I thought was was unique. I listed several different meditation or mindfulness practices and asked, do you do any of these at least once a week? And 76% said they either engaged in meditation or prayer at least once a week. So there is something about the, this force within a one that is, is seeking out this stillness um, that maybe if we lean into a little bit more, we'll continue to benefit from. Interesting. All right. So then we have nines. This is the last one in this doing or gut triad. And this is the one that on the surface can kind of have you scratch your head because nines are known for this sloth-like caricature of not really taking any action. But when we understand why, it makes a lot more sense. So for a nine, they not only are directing their energy outward, but also inward. So they're working double time in this sort of self- protection to not only keep the peace with outward things, but also inward things. So so whether my inward feelings or an outside uh, experience messes with peace in my life, I don't want any of it. So I'm just going to protect. So it takes a lot of energy to do both of those things, which is what leads a lot of our minds to not doing anything. And they're tired, um, maybe not physically tired, but emotionally or even mentally tired there as well. And, and as practitioners, this is something that's really important for us to understand as we help them make behavior change is that for a lot of those people, not only is it gonna take energy that maybe they don't feel they have, but they also has to assess how does this impact my outer and inner world and will it mess with my peace? And if it does mess with peace, um, but is still a productive and beneficial change, that's gonna be a really challenging process for a nine. Um, and so understanding that and and being ready to engage in that work as a nine is a really powerful place to know this is going to feel challenging because it's going to mess with some things that I'd like to stay real even keeled. Um, And knowing that can really empower you in those, in those behaviors. Wow. I like that. Um, Okay. So a couple of interesting things from our nines, from um, our research is 35%, which was the second largest group reported that they're not currently exercising. Um, So in almost all the other groups, Most everyone was doing some form of exercising at least one to two times a week. And this is the second largest group is actually not exercising. Interestingly, too, 48% reported that um, their greatest challenge to better health is also personal or professional stress. So once again, we don't know exactly what that means for an individual. And does that differ than say that eight that brought that up? But interestingly, that there's that similarity between the eight and the nine here with how that they feel there. And then my last interesting insight from my nines um, is the largest group reported that their reason for not seeking health care is because they like to take a wait and see approach. Okay, So there was lots of options there. I always take action. I like to research first, et cetera. We'll, we'll hear some of those answers as we go through. But for the nines, they really like this wait and see approach because once again, maybe there's this inner kind of working of, is this going to mess, mess with my piece? Like, do I really want to do it? Is it worth it? And so once again, knowing that these things are out there and a potential challenge for you can also really empower you in making that change um, and going forward with it, because sometimes it's hard. It's hard work. All right. Let us move to the next triad. Um, And this is the feeling or the heart triad. And these are folks that tend to be feeling dominated. And if you think of your twos, your threes, and your fours, you might be able to kind of come up with a picture of that in your head. Not that we ever stereotype, but I always feel like it helps to connect with someone you know that might be one of these numbers. But here's the interesting thing with this triad. While they are feelings dominant and they're gonna kind of go through their world with their feelings as their compass in some ways, In some of our numbers, there's actually a struggle to be fully connected with their personal heart and with vulnerability. And so because of that, they're often looking for solutions to kind of protect that. So they don't have to quite go that deep with their their feelings and really know what they need and want. Um, So here we have our two. Okay, so this is our helper. Um, And for these folks, self-image is presented outward as a way to look for validation. These are people that, are, that want to help over and beyond what's actually being asked of them because they want to feel loved and needed. That's how they feel valuable. Um, so their feelings are really focused on others. It's outward. So as a result of that, they don't often know, well, how do I feel about this? How does this really impact me? And, and once again, if you know it too, or you are too, you can probably think of a situation where that's, that's happened. You've done all this for me and here you are. Now we're realizing you're exhausted or you're in pain, and we didn't even know that because you were helping other people. So this is an important thing to know about yourself as a two because if you want to make a change for yourself in health and wellness, it's going to improve the way you feel or function, then you need to be in touch with your heart. You need to do the work of, of knowing what I feel and being better at communicating those things as well. Um, And so we talked about the spiritual discipline for the first triad. The spiritual discipline for our feelings triad is actually solitude. So being with yourself, not needing the outside um, world to validate who you are and your unique beautifulness is an important thing for them. So for two to be able to get in touch with their own hearts and feelings, they're going to need some alone time. (laughs) And it's not going to feel real fun as they kind of really dig into what's going on in there. But it's an important thing for them. Um, And they might be like, yes, I know I need to be healthier. I know I need to exercise more. I know I need to eat more vegetables, but I don't like that. Or that's hard. Or I don't feel competent in that. You know, some of these things that they don't actually really want to admit because that's hard for them, um, those things seem to come forward because that's where we engage with with solutions to be able to help and empower them. So here's an interesting thing with two, some of our data, 63% reported they exercise because they enjoy it and they like it. So that was kind of the top tier um, choice in this. I, the other options were like, I do it because I know I need to, I do it because I've had a health problem and I have to do it, or I just, I don't do it and I don't like it. <laughs> um, so that's I think an interesting one because I'd say with some twos, um, you know, I would say the stereotype might be that they don't care to exercise because it, that has to do with themselves and they'd rather be about others. Whereas in my sample size, the majority said they enjoy it and like it. And and that's a great thing. And maybe it's just helping them make space and time to do that. Here's another interesting one. I asked folks, did COVID have a positive, negative, or neutral impact on their exercise habits? And this is, again, I was mostly just curious. And for most of the twos that um, answered, they actually said it either had a neutral or a positive impact on their exercise habits as a result of more time, less commuting. And I think, you know, if I can just kind of speculate here, perhaps the simplicity of not having to worry so much about as many other people because of solitude, (laughs) um, they might have been able to better focus on taking care of themselves in this particular silo of health. Just speculation there, but I think it's very interesting.
0: That is really interesting. And I and I would not what I was expecting you to say.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Again, total speculation. Yeah. But it's 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 a really interesting thing. So I I'm geeking out over some of this data because it's just real, it's cool. All right. So let's talk about our threes now. And threes are the performer. They're the ones that want to do things as well as they possibly can. At all times and again all the all the core aspects of these numbers are gifts they're wonderful things about them. But what a three is doing whereas a two is energy outward emotions feelings outwards. Threes are actually um, have attention and energy and these feelings going outward and inward so like our nine they have this two directional energy going with their feelings. Um, and be, this is because they're really concerned with the development of their self-image. And in order to keep that up, they not only have to make sure everyone else sees them as competent and the best of their game, but also that they're convincing them, their own self, that they are doing the best that they possibly can and achieving that. So it, there, there's that two-way energy street here. So as a result of this constant work to see, be seen as competent, um, and to be seen as doing their best at all times, one, it's draining. And for those of you that are threes, I'm sure you know this feeling in one way or another, but it also disconnects them from what they're actually feeling because they're just trying to maintain this um, identity that they want or feel is the most valuable versions of themselves. So they're constantly kind of working to cover up this feeling of I'm not good enough, I'm inadequate, etc. So Once again, the work of of recognizing where we are trying to maintain an identity versus being our true self and being around people that validate and appreciate that true self can open up some energy and some bandwidth for these other things that we want to focus on and really decide, do I like running? Do I like walking? Would I much rather run? Well, running does not seem quite as you know, up the totem pole of exercise as as running does. But is, am I supposed to run? Well, should I run? And should I do a marathon while I'm at it? Or wait, maybe I just really enjoy walking. You know what? Walking is fun. It's nicer on my body. You know, whatever. Just being able to ask some of those questions to really get to the heart of their feeling, I think is important. So some interesting data points from our three. 83% of them preferred exercising alone and again, we could speculate all day as to why that is. Um, it's just kind of interesting. I'm just going to kind of leave that out in space and let it hang. And for my threes, you can fill in the blanks for yourself, but I think that's interesting. And then this group for threes, they're the only ones who reported the largest amount for the biggest factor in trusting their healthcare provider was education. They were the only group who, with the greatest number picked that, surprisingly. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Which as an educated healthcare provider, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but your threes, you guys, um, you guys appreciate that the most. So I think that's that's interesting. So next let's talk about our fours then as the last one here in this um in this uh what feelings triad. Feelings triad yeah. Me. All right. So within this, um, So, you know, so we had our two with outward energy, our threes, which have this two dimensional energy with fours, our energy and feelings are really focused inward now. So they're going to maintaining a self image based on how they feel about themselves. And and a lot of times we get some really good storytelling um, on the inside of threes or excuse me, fours, um, because they really want to feel valued for their uniqueness. If you remember from that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that's interesting about our fours is they're not always in touch with their true feelings. Sometimes they're more able to sustain kind of a mood rather than really knowing what their feelings are and allowing the feelings to come to the surface to deal with them. Um, And that's a really, that can be a tricky place to be, not really wanting those to come up there. Um, and for all of these numbers in this, one of those core things that can be at the root of some of these protective behaviors is a feeling of shame. And this is where we get into some of those deeper levels of um, maybe needing to work with a healthcare provider. We all kind of deal with shame in different ways, but for our two, threes, and fours, that can be a root um cause of some of these behaviors, so that's something to work in. So with our fours, here's some interesting data uh, points from them, is 75% of them, and we didn't have a huge sample size here, but by far the largest group said that they currently do not participate in any mindfulness activities at least once a week. So as we go back to that, not really wanting my feelings to come up, I'm just gonna kind of keep a mood here and kind of protect this inner sense of identity. once again, this solitude of time alone to allow some of these feelings to come up could be really beneficial in a place of growth for them, for sure. Um, Let's see, what else do we have? This is also a group that, uh, oh no, interestingly, so different than our threes, 75% of our fours prefer to exercise with others. So they Mm. like that group camaraderie there, which I think is a really powerful thing to know. Um, And those are just interesting. And certainly we have introverts and extroverts in each of these numbers. So it's not always super straightforward with that. But with the people in in my sample sizes, we're getting some of that interesting thing. So some of these uh, responses and, and percentages we get from the questions always remind me, like we never stereotype with the Enneagram. Like there are no true stereotypes here. There's certainly some surface um commonalities but there's no stereotypes everyone is so unique and i think that's a really cool thing all right so our last triad is our thinking or head triad and these are people who are thinking dominant but once again there's kind of a flip side to that um because these are individuals who are really looking to find an inner sense of guidance and support um they're kind of always asking what's going to happen to me through these decisions like am I going to be okay Um, and as a seven I can 100% um, align with this and so a lot of times I clutter my brain or these folks might clutter their brain so as to not really get to oh well what is my true sense of self what do I believe I need to do that is right for me here Um, So we have a difficulty connecting with a very quiet mind. Um, I call it butterfly brain is what I live with at all times. It's tricky. Um, So that we really know what we need the most and what we need to do. So a lot of times we think more than we act in this triad. And I can speak the most about this because I live it and breathe it in my life. (laughs) So I'm very, I'm very connected with this. So our spiritual discipline here for this, um, for this group is silence. So we've had solitude, we have silence, and why can't I think of my last one that we, um, stillness, they're all S's, okay. So silence is our spiritual discipline here. So really the quieting of the mind meditation is so important for these folks. And that is the five, the six, and the seven. So with the five, if we remember, this is our person who's very um, aware of their energy output and how much they're giving, how much they have left. I, I consider, I think of it like they know their battery level and how much they want to give and how much they need to recharge. And these are people who really love to gain knowledge. And so as a way to kind of protect from the fear of the outside world, I, I can't control you. I don't know how much you're going to need of me. I don't know what this is going to take for me. They tend to go inward. Um, and that is a safe place for them so that they can avoid some of those fears that that are out there. And a lot of times they'll retreat to knowledge to feel more comfortable or competent to be able to handle a potential fear that could come down the road. And so for these folks, um, it's important to understand this struggle that they have and really that it's unquenchable. Their their desire and thirst for knowledge is, is never gonna be good enough to really take away some of these fears. And there is gonna be a time when they need to take some action um, and really move forward. And so working with a five or or encouraging them in this is like, you're going to have to take the bull by the handle or horns at some point and like do something with all that knowledge. We got to put it into practice and it's going to feel clunky and you're not going to be good at it. And that is okay because our journey in health and wellness is not of perfection. It is in fact of the journey. So here's some interesting data, real interesting data from our fives. Um, So how often do you deliberately exercise? 40% said they are currently not exercising and 40% said three to four times a week. And then we have a small percentage that said seven or more times. So this is the largest group amongst all the numbers thus far in my data sets. And again, this is a very small sample size with my fives because they're not always motivated to do things like this. (laughs) <laughs> Again, stereotype, but um, they tell me it's true. They tell me it's true. Um, but this is the largest amount that reported they they're not currently exercising. So not that we should assume that, but it's something to kind of hear more of their their story on. Uh, and then interestingly, those that do exercise says that they like it and they're happy to do it. Um, so that's interesting. I think this is another group who prefers to exercise alone. Uh, That does not surprise me uh, by any means there. Um, And let's see, what else is interesting? And they're also a group that the largest 60% say they're not regularly participating in a mindfulness um, activity during the week. So interesting insights from this crew. And... um, again, I think work with fives, knowing that you need to take action at some point with some of this, and it is going to cost you some energy. It is going to take some work and effort and helping them go through what is the cost, um, the cost benefit ratio here and, and what is worth it for me to do for that. All right. The next up we have sevens. And so this is my number and I can talk to you all day about that. And sevens are the enthusiast and these are people who are looking for what's exciting and joy and happiness. And what are we planning next? That's going to be great. Um, And so as a way to kind of cover up the inner fears that we have as sevens, I I speak about us, my people, um, we go outward with our energy and because we, we fear the inner world. Um, Sevens, we tend to avoid negative feelings. We'll do anything to not feel negative. And I talked about this a little bit in our last um, podcast together, if you want to go back and hear my personal experience of that. So we try to occupy our minds with all kinds of fun things or exciting things or what's new and next to help not have to deal with some of the maybe challenges of our feelings, our experiences, or what's going on in our current life. And so in this in this sevenness, um, some of the challenges you might have are always starting things but not necessarily completing them so starting a way of eating starting a new exercise routine starting with a group of this versus that let me let me try painting this year whatever it might be and then we just can't quite stick to it because we get bored which is a common problem or um we just find something else that's exciting to us and we kind of move on the the luster wears off for us so i think for sevens it's important for us to know that sometimes the benefits from doing new behaviors and healthy living take commitment. They take faithfulness It's the word for myself I use quite often. And they take time, a lot of time sometimes to really see the benefits come to fruition in our life. And so for me, sometimes it takes outward people to really help remind me um, of my commitments and how important those are until we make it a long-term behavior where we have the benefits that we, uh, we feel are enough to keep us going, regardless of how exciting it can be. Um, and so for sevens, there's gonna be some struggle to participate in any mindfulness activity. That's one of the things I saw in my survey as well. Um, And then here's a fun fact about sevens, which does not surprise me, similar to our, was it our twos, I think? 77% said that what makes them trust a healthcare provider is that they like them. No, it's our eights. Same as our eights. So uh, where it might be from a little bit different of a lens, and I can tell you this from my personal experience, if you've got news that's hard for me to hear, if I like you, that's a big help. (laughs) And you got to remember, some people are... Yeah, some people are afraid to go to healthcare providers because they're afraid of bad news. Um, They've had that as a story in their past, and Mm. they figure that's going to be the story in the present. So there's definitely some weight here to relationship in the healthcare setting and and doing that. And this is why I care so much about the Enneagram. I think it can be a great tool for all healthcare providers to be be able to better connect with their, um, with their, their patients of any type. So I think that's cool. All right. Then our last number here in our thinking and head triad is our sixes. Um, And these are our loyalists. These are our loyal friends to the end. Um, But one of the things that comes with that is this inner host of critics. And so just like our other two triads, we always have someone who's got energy going in and out. And this is our six. So they have their energy, attention, and feelings really directed both (laughs) inward and outward. They've got a lot of doubt for both of those things. So there's a lot of anxiousness about, well, is this the right thing to do? Is this the right thing to do? Is this, I don't know what the right thing to do is. And then there's also this external anxiousness of, of, well, is that dangerous or is this the right thing to do? So there's, there's this lots of energy going in and out based on trying to to calm this inner anxiousness that really keeps them from necessarily taking action and a lot of thoughts going on at all the time. Um, So their attention is kind of like a ping pong with the in and the outward worlds there. And they're really looking for outside assurances to help them know they're doing the right things whether that's dealing with their personal feelings or experiences or the outward world and experiences as well and i think we might have touched on this in our last podcast because this is always a great case study for talking about how the enneagram can benefit us and health and wellness but what is important for a six is to really empower them with the uh, the information that they're seeking to feel competent and also that they know their bodies and that they ultimately can make the best decision for themselves. They don't need an outside force confirming that. Or as a practitioner, if you're working with someone, know that upfront you might be really affirming them and confirming their decisions over and over, but the goal is to get them to a place of self-sufficiency where they can really trust those thoughts and feelings that they have and know that they're the right thing for them to do. And so for a six, knowing that that struggle and that challenge for you and behavior change is gonna be on trusting yourself I mean, like, but this is different than what you're doing or what I read here, but this just feels like it's the right thing to do, listening to our bodies, trusting the signals of our bodies that can empower you to no longer need to wait for that outside validation, but to know what's right for you. Um, So some interesting data about our sixes is uh, 62%, the largest uh, group said that the greatest challenge for them having a better health is exercising regularly. So I thought that was an interesting one that was pulled out from them. This is a group that is engaged in mindfulness activities. 75% reported that they are doing deliberate meditation or prayer at least once a week. So I think that's a significant group there. Um, So maybe they're on the right path or or for some, it may also be looking for those answers to kind of come in to them too, Mm -hmm. which I'm not going to Say it's not a bad idea in any in any way, especially for those that are religious. Um, but you know, so there, there is that seeking of maybe that inner calmness to try to um, to find the answers that they're looking for. Um, this is a group that seventy five percent prefer to exercise alone, um, and the largest group thirty almost thirty eight percent said that I exercise because I know it's healthy for me, not necessarily because I enjoy it. Mm. Um, So that's kind of unique to this particular group as well. Um, So that kind of takes us through our three triads um, and some of the the things and insights that I've gained and also believe in our connection to behavior change and health. So that is a lot of good stuff. Tell me what questions we have as we wrap that up. Well, Ow. I am, I I
0: love how you broke it down. I'm I feel like the the triad approach. I wasn't expecting it to work out so well, but it really did, and it it definitely helps. I think it would be nice if if we can put in the show notes, Carolyn, like the uh, link to one of the images of the triad so people can visualize it. Mm-hmm. But it really mm-hmm. does. Um, when you think about it from like the thinking, feeling and instinctive approach, it, it makes a, it makes a really, it it lays it out much more clearly for me in terms of like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, this is Mm -hmm. why something might stick or why something might not stick. Um, and what motivates you? I think one of the things that I, now that I'm talking it out, I'm, I'm kind of curious is, when you look at the three different triads and you ask them questions about what motivates them to exercise or what motivates them to eat healthy or what motivates them to make another health-based choice, be that, you know, consuming less alcohol or, I don't know, following a supplement regimen. Is theres there, is there an, an underlying theme in the triads that that fuels some of those motivations? So – and maybe the answer is no. But, for example, like I'm looking at the the thinking triad. You were saying sixes as an example, like that that they exercise because they know it's good for them. Well, my understanding is that they have a future-oriented kind of uh, outlook on life, right? And so to me that mm-hmm. makes sense. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, they maybe they exercise because – Because they think about the future, whereas someone in the feeling triad, with you know a a focus on self-image, maybe they exercise because and eat healthy because it influences what they look like physically.
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think you bring up a really good point that these instinctive triads can help us understand why a particular method for doing the same outcome works better for different types um, and I think for an individual who's wanting to do something different let's take the drinking less alcohol one because that one if you like to drink and I'm not even saying a lot if you just enjoy having a drink it's hard right because you enjoy it oh yes it's a good thing I'm experiencing but we're trying that to think. this month yes yes same you know we know it's good we know we should or you know whatever your thing is or you just wanted to, to do it so I think these different tribes can kind of tell us and help us understand why it's going to be challenging. And then if you're willing to press into that a little bit more, working on the mindset that you would personally require to be the most successful, you know? So for me as a seven, I just really enjoy having the drink. I look forward to it. I'm a big wine person. I love the story of the wine. I love the winery. Like I'm a favorite. It's like, it's just a very pleasurable experience, which is what I'm all about. Boom. <laughs> my birthday's in January. How am I supposed to have a dry January when it's my birthday? You know, So for me to tap into this and be successful, and I've had, I'll just be completely vulnerable. I've been successful and not successful in the past. I have to dig into this idea of joy. Can I cultivate joy and pleasure in another way that's just as exciting to me? Or can I talk myself through and change that mentality of like, I know you really do enjoy it. And there's nothing wrong with this. But right now, what's most important is this. And if we want to have a successful this in the future, um, whatever it might be, then this is an important choice for this. Or I need to connect with something within my my purpose or with my family. You know, there's there, I have to do that work, which is time consuming sometimes to kind of find the right thing and have that mindset down for you. But to me, that's the angle I have to work to know that something's really going to stick. Whereas for someone else, and you ladies can talk about your particular numbers and your experiences in that, we might need to come from a different angle, whether it's, you know, relationally and how this choice impacts the relationships in my life and why that's so meaningful to me. Um, Or for a one, they do need to tap into, well, here's my standard and this is what I'm going for, you know, to have this, I'm going to check off every day I do this because that helps me. You know, that is not a bad tool that they have this right and wrong meter. And we can we can use that in the correct way with the correct behavior, as long as we're also in a balanced kind of perspective of that. And we have a healthy relationship with our food and our bodies. Yes. <laughs> you know, we can use some of these things to our advantage. Can they certainly be detrimental at times? Absolutely. Uh, but we can tap into those. So knowing kind of where these challenges are for me, or for me, I would just love to think about not drinking less. Oh, yeah, it's a great idea. I should do that one day. Yeah, totally. Good idea. Good idea. Where <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, we'll that, start that one in a few months. Yeah. And I'll talk to you about it. Oh, yeah, here's the benefits, you know, and, and not to say to walk the walk, or talk, you know, and only talk shop, talk, but like, I would much rather just deliberate about that than actually take the action. Whereas You equip someone in our body triad or gut triad with the right information and their task at hand, and they might execute that. No problem. It's not a big deal at all. So understanding these things, these, what we're dominant in, where we struggle to actually be in touch with the true side of ourselves can be very empowering. And if, if not knowing it alone helps you, or like this initial conversation kind of level of it, if this isn't as helpful for you. And you're like, I'm, I'm just still not getting it. That's a great kind of um, sign that maybe working with a professional, like a, a counselor or an Enneagram coach, a certified Enneagram coach could be really helpful in digging into that and better understanding that aspect of yourself.
2: It's a lot to think about, but it makes sense. I'm, and I'm so impressed you're using it as a practitioner. Um, I'm trying. I am definitely trying. It's not, it's
3: not a uh, perfect process yet. And not all my clients are aware of it. Um, But those that are, it gives us this ability to connect on a a deeper level um, and to use a vernacular that's similar, that just kind of like, and it allows me to say things that help trigger them to remember, oh yeah, I know what you mean. Uh-huh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. You know, and we can we can get to some of these deeper roots in some of these behaviors. Um, and a lot of it, the work I do with them is around um, a positive relationship with their body and food and learning to trust themselves and what are my true needs that work for me, not, you know. So a lot of these tools are so helpful for that, to empower a person where they don't need me anymore. That's the goal. I don't want you to need me after right. time. I want you to have everything you need and to feel empowered to choose what's right for your body, what feels good and helps you function and work at your best at all times. Um, and so that's a really beautiful process for the clients that I've been able to do that with. It's so rewarding.
0: Jenna, before we wrap up, we'll put it in the show notes. But do you mind verbalizing where people can find more information about you and also take this amazing survey so that you can continue to collect more data and
3: come back again and share it with us. Yes. Oh, that would be awesome. Absolutely. You can find me online at Jenna It's also called make healthy easy is my website. And if you go to Jenna Braddock.com forward slash Enneagram, it will take you to the main homepage for a lot more information about the Enneagram, what it is, how I'm using it, some resources to help you dive in deeper and also the links to the surveys. And then you can follow me um, in social media. I am Facebook at Make Healthy Easy and Instagram at make.healthy.easy. And I would love to connect with you there. Awesome. And yes, we
0: will put so much. And we will put all of that in the show notes too. But thank you, Jenna. This was fantastic.
3: You're welcome. Thank you guys. I'm so glad it finally worked out. Thanks for your patience with me.